Pokémon. Let's just like I'm excited for pre-come fall. Yeah. Pre-come fall is gonna be good. Yeah. Um, lots of spooky shit. We'll talk about video. We'll talk about uh, movies. And if stuff. we start every single episode right now talking about fall, people are gonna stop listening to us. <laughs> Did we? Do Let's it? talk about Christmas. Did we do it last time? In the last like three episodes. I know, we've but we're like, just excited. I'm just excited. I love spooky time. The next like ten weeks are like the best ten weeks of the year. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's the happiest time of year. Because it's like still pretty warm, Followed and then it gets saddest. not warm, and we get a little sad because we're we like start to realize how cold it's gonna get. And then, but then who gives a fuck? Cause spooky. Soon. And then Christmas happens, and you realize that as every year passes, you're getting further and further away from your childhood and mm-hmm. closer to your parents. And, and then you'll never death. like life will never reach the childhood dreams that you had, and just like reality yes. is not that fun. Exactly. Yeah. And then New Year's comes, and you're like, great, another year down. Yeah. And then suddenly. Fast forward, and the next, like, five months is total hell. Then it's Corey's birthday, and everything's great. I guess mm-hmm. three months, and it's Corey's birthday. Three months, yeah. And the next three months, we just want to die. And then it's Corey's Literally. birthday, and we're like, okay, we're getting happy again. Yeah. And then, like, two months of, like, ah. Uh, and then, boom, pride. Two months <laughs> of, like, foreplay of, like, one week, you're like, I'm okay. And then next week, you're like, I want to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, finally, it's pride. And then, fast forward, and here we are again, this and, time next year. Yep. And then we just do that for the next... 60 years. 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> a very lonesome death. <laughs> and then we die alone. It says none of us are going to have kids. No one will show up at our funerals. Uh-huh. Except maybe distant cousins. Yep. Oh, man. Life's hard. Whew. We got a drink. Let's all drink. Let's drink to that and talk about spooky shit. Let's talk about ghosts. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes. Okay. So oh, God. I dropped all over my titties. What? Vodka cranberries got all over my titties. Oh, did you have a drinking problem? Yes. Yes. That was an airplane reference. Um, yeah, so let's just start. Mm-hmm. Hello. I'm introducing y'all. It's episode 41. Whoa. Post episode 40, everything's different now. What's our podcast called? It's called uh, Sex Life Anyways House. Ooh. Yeah. I'm Yoda. Um, so yeah, welcome. I'm Corey. I'm Chana. <laughs> this is <laughs> weird. You do it. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? We are your, what should I say today? Faggity. Faggity, affogato host. Yes. I'm Channa. I'm Corey. And we have Simone with us today. Simone Bones. So welcome, everybody. It's episode 40, motherfucking one. Touch her tail. Or yeah, it's 41. Home. 41. Welcome. We're getting closer and closer to a, another combined episode. Yes. We're four episodes away from that. Also... Um, announcement that I realized I should have started two weeks ago, but my bad. Listener stories. Oh shit! When do we do that? I don't know, like a month or two from now. Okay. But I want to start collecting listener stories now, oh, so shit. I don't forget, <laughs> and it's too late. So you can Ooh, send wait, us. Wait, wait. Do, oh, doesn't it coincide with uh, our episode Halloween? fifty, which is around Halloween? Yeah, yeah, yeah bitch. So we already have one person send us listener stories, and that's why I was like, oh shit, I need to ask for more. Oh, shit. So everyone, right now pull over to the side of the road or go on the other side of the room and think of something scary or funny or interesting that's happened to you 
and send it to us through Instagram, Facebook, or email. So we got spooky stories. We got true crime related stories. Like sex one stories. time your mom like had sex with um, the Zodiac Killer. The Zodiac Killer. Yeah. And then he told her it was a Zodiac Killer, but she can't say it because she ever, ever, ever says it, all y'all get killed. Yeah. Or yeah. like a crazy sexual fantasy. Like yeah. I want to be, I want to dress up as a French fry. And dip Ooh. me in fry sauce. Oh. Ooh, fry sauce that people have already come into as Ooh, well. Fry Ooh. sauce is just come in period blood. Okay. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Don't want... <laughs> if that's your thing, that's okay. It's better than scatting. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Still uh, better than scatting. <laughs> anything like that. So spooky stuff, sex stuff, true crime. Anything that you think we would talk about on this podcast, which yes. could be literally Funny sex stories. Yeah. yeah. Stories yeah. about you watching Mad Men or Lost. Yes. Whatever you want to send us, send it to us. Our Instagram is anyways has your sex life facebook just type in ahysl podcast our website is ahyslpodcast.com and our gmail is ahyslpodcast at gmail.com yes so sex it to us immediately we are looking for at least 10 listener stories and you can send us multiples even if you just pull 13. over to the 13 listener stories yeah even like pull your ass over to the side of the road and write a fucking fake story and send it if to it us seems real we're into it we're fucking into it <laughs> You're like specifically right. Like this is real. I'm Half like, of the okay. stories I share, anyways, are made up. So, so, um, <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's my opinion. So just send us your stories because very important. Also, Second, y'all can listen to semi live of me taking my shirt off. Ooh. Second announcement. Pa 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 Patreon. Patreon guys. We have a. We have a. We have a Patreon. We have a. We have a. We have a Patreon. So, yeah, guys, um, so we have a Patreon, if yes. y'all don't know that by now. But you um, probably should. Y'all should. Um, how you get to Patreon is you literally just type in Anyways, How's Your Sex Life on a Google pa- search. And then Patreon. after you type that, type the word Patreon. Yeah. So, yeah. Or That's just go on Patreon.com and type in Anyways, How's Your Sex Life. We're there. Yep. There's three tiers, bunch of content. We are currently recording like 10,000 episodes tonight for Patreon. Mm-hmm. And every single month, there's going to be at least, you know, four to six things added yep, pretty much pretty much yeah um so it's pretty cool so every single tier gets you some pretty cool shit so go check it out um it's really not that much money it's less than like netflix every month so yep if you're like the top daddy tier yeah. so there's that but if you can't donate to us on patreon and help us continue making your podcast dreams come true what you can do for us is you can go uh, leave please. us a review on itunes because the more views we get the more people actually listen to our podcast and the more my panties and Corey's panties get soaked and, and we may be featured as and, well yeah exactly so if you again want to make our podcast fantasies come true okay so yeah those are my two announcements patreon leave us review all that good shit and send us listener stories send us listener stories yes other side announcement guess what i did today everybody oh yay about five hours ago, I got t- Toulouse's face tattooed on my arm, and yes. his ashes were mixed with the ink. Cute. So there's that. I'm very happy. It was a very it emotional beautiful. experience. I cried like four times. It was Aww. great. And um, yeah, so now I have his little head on my arm, so I can like nuzzle him against my boobs whenever he yes. I want, because like his favorite place in the whole world was my boobs. Cute. So I'm very happy. He's, like He's right close boobies. to my heart. So I love him, and I'm very happy. I posted pictures on Instagram, so go check him out, bitches. Cute. Okay, so let's get my fag fact. Oh, thank God. I did a lot of talking. Okay, so mine today, um, I started researching another faggot fact that had to do with uh, 
uh, black queer authors. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I can't do that because I already promised that I was going to do Frida Belafonte. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, Corey. I was literally like 30 minutes into it. And I was like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot. Frida Belafonte. So black queer authors will be up soon, probably next week. Yes. Um, but right now we have to do Frida Belafonte. Because yes. she has the best name in the entire world. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's go over her early life. Okay, before we jump into her, remember, she was the one who was the lesbian friend of Willem on Arondeus uh, that we did last uh, week. He is the famous gay dude who, when he, he went and blew up uh, the Amsterdam like civil records office in protest against the Nazi regime that had occupied the Netherlands and was like trying to get the documents from that civil office to counteract the documents that they were forging for a uh, Jewish citizen. So they could be like, no, we're not Jews. See, look, it says... We're not Jews, but what happened is the Nazi, the Nazi, the Nazi, <laughs> the Nazi reg- regime would be like the Nazi people would just be like, "Hey, no, it says here in this public office records that you were Jew, so you have a forged document, so you're like double fucked." Mm. Yeah, not to be confused with the Willem who sings this boy's bottom. Very true, very <laughs> true. As much but, as we want it to be. Yeah, I know they sound <laughs> like the exact same person, but <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's go to Frida Belafonte. Yes! So fuck Willem right now. We're talking about Frida, Oof. okay? So Frida Belafonte was born into a musical family. Her father, Aaron, was a pianist, just like super well-known pianist um, and a teacher in Amsterdam, Amsterdam, who basically holds the title of being the first uh, person ever to sit through and play Beethoven's piano sonatas during a single, like, uh, Amsterdam... I don't know. He just, like, performed... Some Beethoven's shit. <laughs> shit. Cool. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Okay. <laughs> Good for that we guy. We could never do that. We were not even close to being able to do that. Yeah, no, we can't even y'all. say what he did. So, so. go him. Go. So go Aaron Belafonte. Okay. Yeah. So she started uh, learning the cello at age 10 and made her professional debut at the Amsterdam uh, Concert Gebouw. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what it is. <laughs> so... His So Aaron, her father, performed there and was known for performing there and being well-known pianist there. Then pianist. she, at age 10, learned how to play the cello. And then her, she made her debut at 17 by performing at that concert hall um, with her father accompanying her. <gasps> Isn't that so cute? That's so cute. That's so cute. I don't have a dad, but I would imagine <laughs> if I did have a dad. That would be pretty cute. <laughs> I literally thought that while I was doing this. I was like, this will be so cute. And I'm like, but Chan doesn't have a dad. <laughs> <laughs> but she, right now, but Chan doesn't have a dad. <laughs> Um, so basically, uh, to go off about this, uh, concert hall, so it's called concert Jibao and it yeah. literally is translated to concert hall in English. And this is actually considered to be the first, uh, one of the, one of the first few concert halls ever made in the entire world. Wow. Like it was specifically made to have good ac- acoustics for music. That's cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is it still around? Yeah, you can go see it. Yeah, <gasps> uh huh. Yeah, it's in Amsterdam. It's Amsterdam. It's it's the title is like the Royal Amsterdam Concert Hall, or well, the Royal Amsterdam Concert Jabao. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's just like that's not how you fucking. Everyone's like say that's it. not fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> so she does that at seventeen, and then she starts her professional life, and she managed and conducted high school, college, and even professional ensembles before finally becoming the first woman to manage. Uh, the concert, the concert, Bajau. Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> however you want to say it. Um, Every single time you say it, it's a little bit different than the last I know. <laughs> the 
that's what. <laughs> so she becomes a person not only to manage ensembles in in a in the specific Amsterdam concert hall, but also to be the only the first person ever to man first woman ever to manage a concert hall. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. So she bitch. does that from 1937 to 1941. She was so good at being a conductor that she was even invited to a prestigious master class for conduction in Switzerland. And then won the first, wait, this is feminism. And then won the first prize over 12 other male conductors there. I'm Pikachu gasping. Damn. She's an inspiration. Go her. I think I'm a feminist. Fuck that. Yeah, she's awesome. She's a super feminist. Yeah. So again, I said she was doing that shit, um, like conducting the concert hall in Amsterdam from 1937 to 1941. It stopped in 1941 because of the Nazis. So again, she, so now we're on to like the resistance part of her life that we know her for. And, or some of what somewhat we know her for. Um, so she befriends William Arundeas, who is actually the leader. Uh, so I, I didn't realize this, and, but he was actually the leader of the resistance council that they had. Okay. Which was called the Rod von Wertz. Oh. Yeah, Wertz. Oh. Yeah, say it again. <laughs> Blitz my little um, And they both take part in the CKC resistance, uh, forging those documents, which ultimately leads them to the bombing of the Amsterdam Civil Registry Office, as I said. Um, so when the Gestapo starts following the members of the C- uh, the CKC due to the bombing, girl, our, our girl, Frida Belafonte, immediately goes into hiding, but the 13 men including that included William that were ratted out and executed, when she figures out about this, she's like, okay, I need to go in, even into more hiding. So for the next three months, she disguises herself as a boy to avoid uh, the Gestapo. Wow. Yeah. That's some um, like Mulan shit right there. No, yeah. So she is then helped by the resistance to cross over into Belgium, then into France, um, and then she, then the French underground, which is a thing, helped her make her way to Switzerland. Um, and then when she gets to Switzerland, she gets there and the things were so bad at this time that they couldn't use roads and they couldn't use public transportation. So her and her traveling partner, which I just want to assume is another like lesbian, hot, like hot lesbian girl. Oh yeah, we're definitely And they're just totally just like licking each other's clit, just scissoring super hard all the time. They're just constantly licking each other's pussy holes. Yeah. The whole fucking way. They're just like, they're like floating in the air. Yes. Just like on witch's brooms. Just like like licking each other's clits. Yeah. Yeah. With cats. <laughs> With, like, cats. And I'm like, woohoo! And yeah. the, like, Corey and me are like, yeah! We're in the pre-mortal existence, like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, we're going to talk about you in, like, a like, lot like, We're like, lick, minutes. lick, lick. I want to lick your clit, clit, clit. They're like, what the God's fuck? like, what the fuck? He's like, y'all are definitely... We're like, you don't exist. Yeah, he's like, you guys are definitely not going to believe in Mormonism. <laughs> I have some bad news for you guys. Mormonism is He's real. like, and then just to prove my point, I'm going to put you in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're like, whatever. We don't we, care. We knew it. Man, I'm like, we so have shitty. the internet though, right? He's like, yeah, we're like, okay. You're like, well, we have pornography. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, they're, like, traveling all this way in the French underground, licking each other's clits. The whole way. Um, the whole way. And so they reach the Swiss, Al- the Swiss Alps in the winter of 1944. And as I said, things are so intense at this time that they can't use, uh, like, re- regular means of transportation. So in winter, the middle of winter in 1944, her and her partner cross the Alps on foot in order to get into Switzerland. Wow, okay. What the fuck? And we complain about winter. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done with your life? <laughs> I like I complain about winter when I'm like wearing like a full down jacket like, with, like inside boots. with hot chocolate in my in my like hands. In, in my asshole and I'm <laughs> yeah. like and I'm like winter is hard. I'm like winter's hard. <laughs> Damn. Um so I I wrote 
I wrote the middle of fucking winter. Dear God, that sounds so gold. Um, so in Switzerland, her former teacher, Ermann Scherzer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the one who gave her first class or first prize yeah. out of the 13. Uh, he was like, hey, I know her. Don't send her back over the border. Um, she's Dutch. She's a Dutch citizen. She's getting away from the Nazis. And she was my formal pu- pupil. I know And her. so then she was given re- refugee status. And she uh, was sent back to the Netherlands when the war was over. So let's go really quickly through her after the war because she's known for th- doing things after the war as well. And this sort of hits close to the home too. Um so Belafonte emigrated to the United States in 1947, and she eventually settled in Laguna Beach, California, mm. joining the music faculty of UCLA. Wow! In 1949. Okay. Yeah, fuck. We have not. We have done nothing with our lives. Yeah, fuck. All <laughs> we, we have made a podcast. We have a podcast. <laughs> We're doing it every millennial does. Yeah, we have made a podcast. I, I went and helped clean up. Hurricane Katrina. That's it. That's all I got. Oh, I don't have that. (laughs) I win. You fucking win. (laughs) Um, So she then formed the Vine Street Players, which proved to be like fortuitous because people were like, oh, you're cool. Why don't you like, like, let's give you some funding from the state or the city and you can start the Orange County Philharmonic Society. What is up? So she does. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So um, she starts the first ensemble in Orange County in 1954. Um, Then her involvement in that eventually came to like a really sad ending in 1962 when her contract, which is, was just not renewed. And she was like, yo, why are y'all shutting this down? And like, they literally didn't tell her. And then she just stopped getting funding and she's like, whoa, what happened? And they were like, oh, we need funding for the city, blah, 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 blah. And we thought that if there was a guy instead of a girl leading it, that we'd get more funding. And so they tell her that at the time, and that was actually supposed to be a cover because there started to go, there started to circulate rumors and gossip of her being a lesbian, which is <gasps> true. Yeah. So that was the real reason. And so in 1994, she came out publicly and was like, I'm pretty sure that's the reason why it happened instead of the misogyny. Neither is good. Neither is good. <laughs> Both are shitty. Yeah. Like, oh, it's either because I'm a woman or because I like women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that happened to her. That's really sad. Belafonte uh, continued her music and even uh, became a famous uh, booking agent in Laguna Beach uh, after that happened in 1964. Um, She summed up her career in a Los Angeles Times interview saying, It was just too early for me. I should be born again. I could have done more. That's what saddens me. But I'm not an unhappy person. I look for the next thing to do. There's always still something to do. I could have done more. I know. I still could have done more. You're the most productive human that's ever existed. Yeah. Ugh. So since her, like in her later years, in the, in the 80s and the 90s and the ter- early 2000s, she began to be uh, recognized for what she did. Yes. She got multiple uh, like awards from American societies that were like related to music. Um, she even there was a documentary made about her in 1999 called But I Was a Girl. Um, and then there was uh, the United States Holocaust Museum recognized her for her resistance involvement in the same thing that Willem Arundeus was involved in. Um, then her story was also featured in an exhibition funded by the Dutch government about the persecution of gays and lesbians during the Second World War. So go her. Good, good for her. So that's her. fucking Frida Belafonte. I want like an action figure of Willem Arandeus and Frida Belafonte. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, there should be like a TV show yeah. about them. Okay. Chan, if you end up ever having children somehow and it, there's a girl, I'm just going to tell her this story all the time. Yeah, and I'm going to just name her first name. will be Frida Belafonte. Mm. <laughs> That's her first That's name. That's her fucking first name. Frida name. Belafonte. That's Frida a- hyphen Belafonte. Yeah, everyone's like, what's your name? Frida Belafonte. Like, so when she's like filling out like standardized test shit, it like takes her for goddamn ever. Yeah, sorry, Frida Belafonte. <laughs> okay, so now my spooky scoop. 
I have a true crime update. Okay, my true crime update is brought to you by our friend Bakes because he sent it to us <gasps> yeah. on Facebook Messenger. And I was like, yes, thank you. This yes, is bitch. a perfect spooky Thanks, scoop. Thanks, Bakes. Gary yes. Ray Bowles, a.k.a. the I-95 killer. He was a serial killer in 1994 who targeted gay men in Florida. Damn, So he him. was responsible for the murders of John Hardy Roberts, David Jarman, Milton Bradley, Alverson Carter Jr., Albert Morris, and Walter J. Hinton. So this murder, this, the murdering piece of shit, Gary Ray Bowles, um, would prostitute himself to the victims and then beat and strangle them. He said like every single time he's interviewed i'm not gay but if they would like offer me money for for, like me to suck their dick or for them to suck my dick i would totally do it no homo and then he would act all crazy homophobic like i fucking hate gays and blah 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 so obviously he's motherfucking gay homophobic says like i'll suck dick but that's not gay no homo anyways he was on the fbi's top 10 most wanted and he was quickly found after that and he's arrested in May of 1966, or sorry, May of 1996, Bowles uh, pled guilty to the killing of Walter Jamel Hinton, and he received the death penalty. Whoa. In August 1997, while sitting on death row for the slaying of Hinton, um, he pled guilty again to beating and strangling John Hardy Roberts and the other uh, men, David Jarman, Milton Bradley, Alverson Carter Jr., and Albert Morris, and again received the death penalty. Yesterday, August 22nd, 2019, Gary Ray Bowles ate three cheeseburgers, french fries, and bacon as his last meal and was executed by lethal injection in Florida State Prison. Whoa. He is the 99th prisoner to be executed in Florida. Whoa. So, yeah. Serial killer targeted gay man is now killed. Executed. Well, fuck him. Psh. Bye. Bye, bitch. Bye, fuck bitch. you. Get Gary Ray Bowles, bitch ass, horse slut, fucker. Yeah, go fuck yourself. In the afterlife. Yeah, bitch. So that is my true crime update. Some motherfucker got executed yesterday in Florida. <laughs> Some motherfucker. <laughs> cool. Fun update. That was a good update. <laughs> Justice is served. Yeah. I might do a whole uh, segment on him, but it's kind of like a short... Uh, he's not that interesting of a serial killer. Cause, yeah. like he, he just killed people because he he's just an fucking killed. Like, the most interesting thing he did was, like, shove dildos down people's throats. Whoa. But, like, that is the extent of it. Where, like, you know, I want to give you guys the juicy stuff. Did he shove like, people... Did he shove dildos, dildos down people's throat to kill them? No, he would, like, strangle them and then, like, stuff shit down their throats. Oh, so, like, the police found them? Yeah, with, like, rags or dildos hanging, like, in their throats and stuff. Jesus. Pretty gnarly, but that's literally the extent. Like, that's all, all the information is crimes is like, and then he killed this person. That's like the spectacle of his kills. Yeah, we're yeah. like, I try to go for the serial killers where it's like, there's kind of a story involved. Like, yeah. he brought the guy home and then yeah. this happened. Instead of be like, and this victim, and this victim, and this victim. Nice. Y'all want the, the interesting shit. Yeah, we want the narrative channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's go to my supernatural segment. Yes. Okay, so mine today is Monstrous Mexican Maidens Part Dose. Woo! <laughs> Not part dos, part dos. Woo! <laughs> okay, it's on La... Okay, so before I say what this is on... La Llorona. It's not La Llorona. Okay. <laughs> uh, La Llorona will be like the last one that I do. That'll be like the peak That's of the only one I know. going on. So um, the, the La Llorona is the only one that I know too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this one is called La Matlachiga. I'm not gonna try that. I so I I don't think this is actual just Spanish. I think it is 
more like an an early like Aztec esque, oh, um, cool. or Mayan esque. It's not Mayan or Aztec. I know what it is. It comes from uh, uh, Zapotecs or Zapotecs. Um, it's their language. It's like sort of ad- adopted from that. I believe I'm not exact exactly sure about that. But um, so it's called like Mat. It's called like La Mat Mat Lechuga. Um, so I'm just gonna say La Mat Lechuga, okay? But it it it's weird. I, I just don't. Um, it, it's it's not super spelled like that. But then sometimes it's spelled like that. It's really weird. But that's just just what I'm gonna call it, okay? So okay. one fucking deal, okay? So La Mat Lechuga is another folktale that concern uh, comes from southern Mexico, um, specifically the state. Um, that is directly west of where the, our last Mexican maiden, uh, La Mala Orda, originated from. So La Mala Orda came from Chiapas, which is like the southernmost Mexican state mm-hmm. that borders Guatemala. Okay. But then if you go directly west of it, there is one called... Uh, Shit, I forgot what it's called. It's spelled O-A-X-A-C-A. Yeah, it's obviously I couldn't even... Oaxaca. I couldn't even begin to guess that. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's, pronou- it's it's spelled O-A-X-A-C-A, but it's pronounced Oaxaca. Again, I believe it comes from like a more uh, like ancient civilization or like classical civilization um, in the Americas, which I think is, is the Zapotecs, because I think the Zapotecs are mostly centered in the Oaxacan... Basin or river, Oaxacan Valley, I think it's called. It might be the Oaxacan Basin. I forget. Anyways, it's in the state called Oaxaca. Okay. Okay. So, um, this Mexican maiden also has ties to the Zapotecs. So, the Zapotecs, known as the Cloud People, dwell in the southern highlands of central Mesoamerica, specifically in the valley of Oaxaca. So, the valley of Oaxaca. Okay. Which they inhabited from the late pre classical period to the end of the classical period, which was 500 uh, BCE. So, that's like before, before common era, before zero. And then to 900 Common Era. Okay. So again, I just took that from like Wikipedia, basically, because I don't write like that. Nobody fucking writes like that <laughs> unless you're paid to. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Okay. So just like La Malaora, La Matachuga has a few variations in motive and form. For example, the, a good variation is, um, is from its, uh, the range of it being a woman to an evil couple to a demon that can take the form of anything it wants to, Ooh. which it usually takes the form of a naked woman. Naked woman? Because why not? Oh. Yeah. If you could be anything, why would you just not be a naked woman? Hmm. Hmm. Society I would be something heart. with wings, but I'd be a naked... I'd be a naked woman angel. <laughs> Cute. What about a naked, like, fallen angel? Oh, that's more fun. Yeah. Yeah, so she's, like, dark. Like a su- it'll just be a fucking succubus, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I would be some... Yeah. I would be, like, a big butterfly or a moth. Mothman? Yeah. I'd be Mothman <laughs> with a tight ass. Fun! Yeah. Oh, my God. Um. So... Let's go from its origins. So I'm just going to like list off, basically just going to go through it and just list all these different origins. Okay. Okay. Um, so this is basically the, this is basically just it. I'm just going to tell you like a lot of different versions of the legend of La Matachuga. And I'm going to share with you like a, a fairy tale folk tale that has to deal with this. Cute. Yeah. And you'll learn why in, the, in a bit. Okay. So from a, from a book titled The Mexican Southland written by Kamar al Shimas in 1922, uh, he writes the monster called by the Zapotec, uh, Gobaziga. <laughs> we're just gonna go we're just gonna breeze through that yeah um he was a fantastic <laughs> being who who now for a short time would take the form of a child then that of a giant and again the form of a beautiful woman who would seduce men with magical and irresistible enchantment same he was a male a malevolent spirit whose mission is or it was to pervert and injure afterwards turning into smoke and disappearing before the eyes of the spectator so that sort of sounds like la mala Ora a bit yeah 
From what has been said, it will be seen that the devil and La Matachuga, if not the same being, have at any rate the same characteristics. So you can tell from the context there, this dude is talking about the Zapotec people that lived in this valley and how they had a devil that they would call something. I didn't like, we didn't need to go into it. Um, or the Gobaziga, that's like one of the, the, the words that it used. Um, and so he would, it was the devil, but then he could take the form of anything. And then he sort of equates it to La Matlachuga. So this is one of the earliest like professional writings that we have. I think there's one from like 1888 too that shows up and says like a little thing, but whatever. Um, so that's like the first academic note that we have or, or like recording that we have of La Matlachuga. Um, but then here's just some stuff from folklore and just like word of mouth. So some say that she is a one-footed woman who leaves a telltale trail when she drags her victims away. Some say she is a beautiful woman in white who walks the streets at midnight like La Malaora. When she comes across a romantically minded man, she lures him away to his death. Um, others say that the Matlachuga is two people, which are just an ordinary looking couple. And the male, uh, like the dude will cap, uh, capture the girl and the girl will capture the man and then take them away. And they basically just like rape them, kill them, stuff like that. Shit. Um, and they say that you can identify this is because they're super beautiful and, and blonde. And then they, they're chain smoking <laughs> like while they're scooping you out. They're like Lana Del Rey and Lana Del Rey. Yeah, like it's literally hair. just Lana Del Rey. So it's like Lizzie Grant coming <laughs> after you. And I'd be like, okay. You're like, okay, I guess I'll die. And then a, another group of people will say that the Matlachuga is only one being, but it can appear as either a man or a woman, depending on the victim. It takes its form of, of its victim's most beloved person that they know to lure them, like, you know, off into the desert or whatever. Um, the victim chases this, the apparition, losing their sense of direction, stumbles through the bushes, etc., until they are completely lost. And then if they manage to catch up to this person that they love, then you're back. Um, they will come and they'll, like, touch them and immediately when they touch this person or this being it turns into a living skeleton <gasps> that then like super like makes them go insane ah! supposed to do that and that's actually very la mala esque but again copycat bitch these states touch each other like they're you know the capital of the state to the other capital of the state is like you know a three-hour drive or whatever yeah so they like hear <coughs> each other's more. scary stories and they mix and stuff yeah totally folklore yeah <laughs> Okay, so this one last description is going to sort of go with the story that I'm going to tell. Um, so this one is sort of just like the Malaora and sort of what we said before is where it's a spirit that haunts the ravines in um, in this state and then uh, haunts drunkards and adulterers. And it's sort of used to be as like a, um, like, what's a good word? Like a moral uh, police officer, like a, like karma, okay. like a folklore demon of karma. Basically, so if you're a bad person, <laughs> a demon if you've, you've been a murderer, you. if you beat up your wife or beat up your children, or you're like a womanizer, then you're going to eventually like get punished by God through this uh, demon that takes the form of something and then just like kills you. They're okay? like, not to be extreme, but if you fuck up, a demon's going to come, come after you and rip out your soul and fuck your soul hall. Okay, so let's take that sort of karma police thing that the, that Lamat Lechuga is sort of identified with being with. And let's read to you a fucking little like fairy tale or folklore tale. Yes. Okay? Once so, upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time. No, it literally starts once upon a time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's called The Legend of Lamat Lechuga. Okay, so once upon a time in the town of Santa Maria Sola de Vega. <laughs> okay. There was a young... <laughs> okay. 
There was a young man named uh, Jose Antonio who really liked the ladies, ugly, pretty, fat, thin, tall, short, single, married, or widowed. For Jose Antonio, it was all the same. He was tall, fair, and graceful with a thick ass, no, a <laughs> thick, well-trained mustache. He liked his woman plentiful and his mezcal by the bottle. Ah. So basically, um, just, to, just to make this a little short, he basically, there's some dialogue about him and his father uh, having a conversation. And then his father tells him that God will punish him if he doesn't stop being a drunk fuckboy. Okay. Ah. Yeah. So let's Wonderful. go back to reading the t- fairy tale. But then one day, Jose Antonio fell in love. He stopped making love to every woman who passed, but he didn't stop his hard drinking lifestyle. One night he got drunk and wandered home from the rain at three in the morning. On the road home, he saw what he thought was his girlfriend dressed in a white dress that showed off her figure with her long hair loose falling down past her waist. He smi- or she smiled and beckoned to him and he followed, never realizing that she was the Malachuga. Never realizing, that is, until his drunkenness wore off and he saw her true form, or her true death-like skeletal form, then he began to scream. But it was too late. La Bandolera dragged him up the hill, beat him, and scratched him until he, he was half crazy from pain and terror. The workers from a nearby hacienda, frightened by Jose Antonio's screams, ran to their master. The old man recognized the terrified voice behind the screams. It's that bastard Jose Antonio. It sounds like he's being uh, hacked to death by a machete. Quickly, let's go find him. I don't know. If I heard someone making those screams, I might be like, well, lost cause. That sucks. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to make those screams. Fuck it. You're just like at this like little hacienda like store selling like, you know, little stuff like needs that everyone needs. And then just like in the jungle, you hear these like deathly Ah! screams. I would not run to that person's aid. I'm sorry. Unless unless it was like you. Yeah. Unless I'm like, Corey. Yeah. God damn it, Corey. I'd be like, fuck, fine. I'll go die too. You're like, okay, the podcast is canceled. (laughs) So they all went out searching with lighted torches, combing the entire plain without finding him. Finally, they climbed the hill. As they climbed, they realized that the screams were coming from a high crag above them that was covered with spiny cactus. Only the bravest of men dared to scale the steep cliff. And when they reached the peak, they found Jose Antonio completely naked and covered with deep scratches, as if a tiger had raked his entire body with its claws. They took him back down the hill, back home to his father. So um, before I continue, there was another like little version that was a little specific where they say that this this La Malachuga likes to draw people through thorny brush and bushes okay. um, so that they get a lot of scrapes. And sometimes it'll just like so happen so much to them that they just like bleed to death. So just picture like uh, the example of a briar wood, just like having this malevolent spirit hypnotize and then just like make these men walk through or anybody walk through like a briar wood and get like, you know, pierced by all these thorns and bleed out. So you can see how this sort of ties into like the whole, you know, Catholicism and just like bleeding out or just like the whole bleeding for your sins and stuff like that, because this is sort of like a a karma police or something like that. Oh, yeah. So after this experience, Jose Antonio no longer wanted to go out with the girls, not the ones, (laughs) not the ones who tried to flirt with him, not even his beautiful girlfriend for fear that she was really Lala Malachuga in disguise. He told everyone that La Malachuga had the face of death and that she told him that she was punishing him for playing with women. And if he kept on with his behavior, she would come back. And this time she would take him with her. At night, he screamed like a crazy man that he saw a woman dressed in white who was calling to him 
I was calling to him to her side to love her. Sorry, the, the, the writing's a little weird because this was translated from Spanish to English. Okay. Um, his father didn't know what to do, seeing his son suffer so badly. Finally, one night he went out searching. He had to find this evil woman, La Malachuga or not. Bad idea. The full moon, right? The full moon lit up the whole plain as he walked the roads, hoping to meet her. He walked until nearly dawn without ever finding her because La Malachuga only preys on men who are drunk. Exhausted, Jose Antonio's father returned home. On arriving at his house, he saw a woman outside calling to his son, and he fired his gun at her. <gasps> but the gun jammed. <laughs> oh my god. The woman suddenly disappeared, and then his gun began to fire, but it was too late. The woman was gone. So Jose Antonio's father ran like mad for, for the church and brought back the priest to bless the house and Jose Antonio so that La Malachuga would leave them in peace. And so Jose Antonio slowly recovered with the help of his father and the village priest. Cute. Cute. That's sort of ended on a good note. I thought like he was going to shoot somebody. Yeah, like actually shoot the girlfriend. Yeah, right? That's what I thought was going to be. He was like, Jose, Jose, yeah. why? But yeah, so that's La Malachuga. Fun. Uh, watch out, bitches. Don't be drunk. Don't hate on women. Don't be a fuckboy. Don't be a fuckboy. And you'll be fine. That's <laughs> La Malachuga, ah. colon, don't be a fuckboy. Sorry, I kicked the thing and my mic lowered all at the same time. <laughs> But yeah, don't be a fuckboy. Don't be a drunk fuckboy. Bitch. Um, respect women. Respect women. Or la... I'm not even going to put Matt Lechuga. Matt yeah. Lechuga. Okay. Today, I'm doing my segment on something super fun. Yes. So, I'm doing this. Well, okay. Backstory. So, I was researching episode 40, and I was like going... I, I always watch like a bunch of documentaries on YouTube, like from people who are like us, just talking about the case... Or from like Dateline or from like other true crime uh-huh. things just so I can hear like a bunch of different people's opinions and just kind of try to form like the narrative myself. Anyways, so I was watching some videos and like the side like recommended videos was this and the title caught me off guard. So I had to click on the documentary and I watched the entire documentary like mid research for my last podcast Whoa. because the title is and here it is in quotes. So you can watch the title. You can watch the documentary yourself on YouTube. It's Dateline NBC sun emoji, something wicked sun emoji, lesbian sex secrets lead to the murder of 16-year-old Skylar niece. So obviously I had to click on the video and watch the full, like the full, like, like hour documentary and spoiler alert it barely has anything to do with lesbian sex what secrets the fuck? just goddamn clickbait but it was a really interesting case well, fuck that so i'm still doing it because it was a really fun case so yeah. so yeah so lesbian sex secrets leads to murder of 16 year old skylar niece here we go everybody so skylar niece she was born skylar annette niece on February 10th, 1996. Uh-huh. So she's like a year younger than me. She was born to Mary and Dave niece. She was described as an intelligent, stubborn, kind, and bubbly. Um, she was an only child and she grew up in Cheat Lake, West Virginia, which is a very, very nugget town. Very small. Okay. In second grade, she met Sheila Eddie at the community center and the two became friends. Sheila went to a different school, but the two hung out occasionally. Eventually, they both ended up going to the same high school. The high school is called University High School. Okay. Okay, so Sheila's parents divorced in 2000 after her father got into a car accident that left him, like, severely injured. Oh, no. Yeah, Sheila's mom's a total bitch. Um, Sheila's mom remarried some rich dude, and they moved um, Sheila um, to Morgantown, and and that's when she started going to University High School. So that's kind of when she became friends with Skylar again. Uh, now, after Skylar's freshman year, her family moved to the Stone Path townhomes in Cheat Lake to Star City, which is a tiny city enclosed by the city of Morgantown. They're close to each other. That's pretty much what I mean okay. by that. 
Um, so again, this is when they're both going to university high school. Um, and that is when both Sheila and, and um, Skyler met Rachel Schof. Okay. So Rachel was an only child, just like Skylar, and she grew up in a very religious household, like how we grew up, <coughs> bonding. Yeah. Um, and she often participated in church activities like girls' camp, mutual, you know, shit like that. When you said um, girls' camp, Simone went, wow. <laughs> she was also an aspiring Broadway actress. So this Rachel Shelf could be Channa Jones Whoa, in high school. Whoa, holy shit. Um, now she's sh- like, "Hey, how are y'all? My name's what's her name? Rachel Show. She's like, "Hey, my name's Rachel Show. You want to get naked?" Yeah, well, pretty <laughs> much. So, Skylar, <laughs> Sheila, and Rachel quickly became BFFs. It wasn't long until they referred to themselves as the Three Musketeers. Cute. And they would sing that whole song "We're the Three Best Friends That Anybody Could Have" from a Hangover. Uh-huh. Um, now, as they say, two's a company, three's a crowd. So just remember that. Highlight. Okay. Bookmark. Um, now, as what most teenagers do, the three of them began sneaking out, smoking the reefer, yes. partying. So immediately gay. Yeah. Skylar got into trouble with her parents a few times, but, you know, they they understood that she was a teenager. Shit like this happens. Like, nothing was crazy enough for them to believe that their daughter was, like, in danger. They were just, you know, it's kids. Like, you're a teenager. As a parent, you kind of expect your kids to rebel. Yeah. Like, our parents just did. They they, they were teenagers. My mom was a hell of a teenager. So yes. I was like a goddamn saint compared to her. So in retrospect, parents and friends of both Skylar and Rachel have claimed that uh, Sheila was a really bad influence. Skylar's cousin Kyle described Sheila as a bad seed. I've been called that, Sheila. Whoa. Anyways, some of Skylar's friends... You've been called that when you were, like, defending gay rights. Yeah, everyone's (laughs) like, Chana's a bad seed. I'm like, gays are fine. I'm like, like, what the fuck is going on here, Mormon church? (laughs) She views gays as actual human beings. They're like, she's a bad seed. She's a bad seed. I'm like, okay, that makes me a bad seed. Then, like, I want to be a fucking bad seed. Now, some of Skylar's friends avoided hanging out with her uh, because when she was with Sheila, Sheila was like a total bitch pretty much. And they really felt unwelcomed by the three musketeers. Uh And they noticed like a personality change from both Skylar and Rachel. Like the more they're around Sheila, the bitchier they came and like the more mean girls they were pretty much. Um, Rachel's friends had similar reservations about Sheila, who they blamed for pretty much all the changes in Rachel's personality and behavior. Um, Regardless of what people thought, Skylar loved Sheila, Rachel loved Sheila, and they they considered each other they considered each other like best friends, sisters. Cute. Like their friendship was really strong, so we thought. Now for a while everything seemed to be going fine, even great. Everything was like, oh, oh my god. god, they're the three best friends. They were known as the three bad bitches in high school. Yes. Until their sophomore year. Dun dun dun. No. During sleepover. Sophomore year is when you're just like fuck everything. You're like yeah. I'm going to do what the fuck I want. Fuck you, mom. Fuck you, dad. Fuck you, God. I do what I want. <laughs> that that was me. Vodka. <laughs> Sophomore year. And that's when you get a car. So you're like, fuck everyone. I don't need you. Yeah. So they're having a sleepover. Yes. Skylar looked over and she saw Sheila and Rachel having full-blown sex. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was my life. Like, I wish I woke up and saw... Two people of my same gender at a sleepover just like fucking fucking just like fucking god damn it like how do people have so much more fun lives like crazy <laughs> licking each other's pusses finger blasting each other tripping the full like go look up Skylar's Les- lucky as fuck she doesn't know it yeah so Skylar got into like a huge fight with him about it and from Why? that moment on I don't know stuck up bitch 
maybe like well skylar's dead she was murdered oh, okay so love you. so uh, <laughs> don't call the victim a bitch <laughs> okay <laughs> damn it this and is why i can't ever be fun <laughs> you gotta be able to call the victims a bitch sometimes <laughs> i know <laughs> oh god maybe if she wasn't homo uh phobic phobic <laughs> homosexual maybe she wasn't a homosexual we would <laughs> maybe she wasn't her. a homosexual <laughs> um i couldn't really find out why skylar got into a fight with sheila it could be because maybe she was, she was this is a small town west virginia she was jelly. or maybe she was jealous or which west virginia is basically the south yeah and so yeah. it's like you know i couldn't find out why or maybe she just felt uncomfortable because like her friends were having sex right next to her i mean that's not super chill so I, don't know. I think if that happened, okay, let's just say like I was at Alan's house and I woke up and Zach, who is an out gay man, okay, and Alan were having sex. I think I would be so horny <laughs> and trying to cover it up You're so like, much Pussy. <laughs> that I would like have to, I could I wouldn't be mad. I would just like probably not say anything and just go back to sleep or just probably not say anything, lay there until they stopped. And then stayed up for like an extra two hours until they were fully asleep and then go to the bathroom and jack off yeah. furiously. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Skylar didn't do that. She just yelled at her friends instead. And, and now she's dead. And from that moment on, Rachel and Sheila started excluding Skylar. Oh. So, you know, sometimes, for example, they would dress like twinsies and they wouldn't tell Skylar about it. Oh, shit. They would do things like hang out and post about it on Instagram and Snapchat and like tag each other but like Skylar wasn't invited to it and um, now when the three of them would take pictures they would push Skylar over to the side or the back of the picture no, so it was are really just like me? a picture of them they would um, make fun of her for not having sex with them or with boys and they would be constantly like mean girling her okay that's sad much. fuck them They're tension mean. grew fights became more frequent just like cattiness cattiness it was just so like high school catty drama and it all came to a tipping point when in early 2012 skylar and sheila spent their entire one week trip to myrtle beach like scream girl fighting at each other just like being total catty bitches to each other when they got home sheila and rachel decided <sighs> that skylar must die very dramatic. That is a big jump. Holy shit. I've been in girl fights before and like catty fights, but I've never said, I would never like looked at Chloe in high school and I was like, you know what? I was like, who were we friends in high school? That was a girl. We need to kill blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, like Jennifer needs to fucking die. <laughs> like those words have never come out of my You're like, in. yeah, she like isn't lesbian. She doesn't smoke weed with us. She doesn't have sex with boys yeah, or girls. Boys or girls. She She's needs a pretty ass bitch. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. Like, this is uh, excluding her from hangout sessions isn't enough. We need her to fucking die. Damn. So Sheila and Rachel began planning her murder and decided that on July 5th, um, they were going to murder her because it was the perfect day for murder. Wait, you know, what the fuck is their motive? You know, and because uh, they're just mean. It's a mean girl. They're just mean girls. <laughs> you know, and mean girls and they're like. What's oh, did they favorite? play video games, which is what instills violence into our children these days? That's, That's probably the only what it thing. was. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's yeah. just video games. I think it yeah. was video games. Yeah, probably video games. So students at University High overheard Sheila and Rachel talking about disposing a body. One girl recalls <laughs> Rachel saying that she wished Skylar would just die. What the fuck? There's even a video of the three girls at a sleepover where Sheila asked Skylar to choose between different ways of dying. <gasps> now, here is a Poor quick, Skylar, here's go, a quick little, in, little channel point to this. 
So I actually mentioned this to Corey a few days ago at the warehouse because this is the episode I was researching when I realized this. You know, like friends and stuff like Corey and I have a lot of conversations that I now realize based off of this podcast episode that can be incredibly incriminating for both of us. Very true. Because these girls were just having a conversation like, okay, would you rather drown or get burned alive or get strangled? And like those words have literally come out of our mouths to each other. Oh, totally, totally. So it's like watching But not like, would you rather like drown jordan or like stab bakes or cut off chris's head like yeah. we've never said shit like that yeah exactly so until it's literally like, right now until right now oh my god i'm in jail <laughs> so it's kind of interesting watching like the the clues and the the way they're like pulling together like the girls responsible for skylar's death because a lot of it like a lot of the conversations and everything that they the girls have and they have recordings of are conversations that you and i have had so i'm like whoa like you can really look at something in two different lights completely because yes. before like yeah. if skylar never got murdered and you just looked at those videos you'd be like haha they're just joking around yeah. anything can be spinned to look as bad or good as it needs to yeah be. exactly yeah. so whether or not like sheila and rachel really did mean like those questions literally to Skylar. Yeah. Unknown, probably because they did end up murdering her, but like maybe not because like Corey and I ask each other those questions all the time. But anyways, yeah. that was like the first time that it made me really realize like, oh shit, Corey, if I ever get murdered and they try to pin you, you're fucked. Oh no, of this all they podcast. have to do is be like, oh, they host a true, true crime? crime supernatural podcast. Like they're immediately like, we would immediately be above like, everybody else like if i don't know who do we all sort of semi know but not super like if for example like let's just say like angel was murdered yeah so they're like okay let's go through everybody's facebook who follows and likes his shit all the time yeah like oh especially his like dark shit and it's like oh my god there's these five different people but then two of them are Corey and Chana who host a true crime supernatural podcast. Yeah. We would be like the prime suspects. Yeah, exactly. Or at least in that instance. Yeah. So we're fucked. Pretty much we're fucked. So no one around us get killed or Corey and I are going to jail. Please don't. Um, so <laughs> Sheila and Rachel continue talking about Skylar's um, fate. But while they were doing that, they were still being fake best friends with her. Damn. Like still Damn. going to the movies, having sleepovers. But still, like during this, they would be excluding her, wearing twinsies outfits, taking pictures with her in the background. But still acting like just catty girls, but still like three best <gasps> friends. What was that? I moved my foot. Oh, okay. Um, it moved like the entire sheet. Like it went oh, forward. That I one. I definitely didn't do that. I went like this. Oh, well, the sheet like moved forward like an inch or two. Oh, my God. Ew. That was disgusting. No, because I think it was your foot. It just like moved a crease. I think it moved a crease. Or demons. Choose. Take your pick, Chana. Crease or cheement demons. I something is so gonna haunting in Hill House me right now. Ew. I can just no. Feel it. Shut up. Oh my God, I'm so scared. I have chills up my whole Moving body. Moving on. Moving on to actual murder. <laughs> I'm so sad. Okay. <laughs> so they're being fake BFFs with Skylar for months, months and months and months. Um, even though they still fought all the time, they're being catty mean girls, they're still best friends. I understand this. I was in a lot of friendships like this where it was me, friends with people, they would be bitches to me, but you're still friends with them. It's Damn. high school, it's catty girl stuff. I, so people, if uh, you want to blame Skylar, fuck you. Damn. Anyways, they still hung out, they had sleepovers. Sheila and Rachel are still like licking each other's pussies next to Skylar every night. Um, you know, girl drama is pretty standard in high school. You know, you get in a fight, you make up, you get in a fight, you make up. It's fucking exhausting. But this is okay. standard. Like, this, I have been in Skylar's situation a million times. And I am positive I have probably been a Sheila or Rachel to girls out there, too. Maybe haven't even noticed it. But the fact is, it doesn't always, it shouldn't end in murder. So it's pretty batshit wild. <laughs> not, that this, many things should not end This in is murder. ending in murder. So now it brings us to July 5th. 
2012. One year before I met Corey. Wow. July 5th, 2012. Yeah. I was just back from my mission and I was playing through Mass Effect, all the Mass Effect series, the entire Mass Effect series and Dead Space. I was getting ready to go into my senior year of high school with my BFF, Chloe. Nice. Doing Ouija boards and stuff. Ooh. Fun. Okay. So July 5th. (laughs) Well, she was getting murdered. Yay. Sorry, Skylar. Sorry, Skylar. So Sheila and Rachel... You know, they've been playing this murder for a while. Damn. Here we are. They're pumped. They're into it. They're like, today's the fucking day. We're going to kill somebody really? today. They so like they, woke up and were like, fuck yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, they like woke up high in spirits. Like, yeah, we're going to fucking kill someone today. Let's fucking do this. They did a little handshake. They like licked each other's pussies for a second. They're like, let's fucking do this. Why? So they grabbed a shovel. They grabbed cleaning supplies. They grabbed clean clothes. They grabbed some kitchen knives. They threw all in the trunk of Sheila's car. Holy Meanwhile, Skylar returned home from her job at Wendy's at around 10 p.m. She kissed her mom, Mary, and her dad, Dave. She told them good night. So she told them how much she loved them, and she just went to bed. Um, you know, it was a very standard night at the niece home. Nothing seemed out of place. Around midnight, Skylar got a text or call from Sheila and snuck out of her house. Um, in the, uh, the surveillance camera that is taken from, like, Skylar's driveway, uh-huh. you can see a car drive up and Skylar jumping out of her window, running across the driveway into a car, closing the back door, and drives off. And that is the last footage that we have of oh Skylar God. being alive. Yeah. On July 6th, Skylar's mom went into her room that morning to wake her up and found that her daughter wasn't there. She assumed that Skylar went to either Sheila or Rachel's house. Uh-huh. Um, Skylar's dad was worried, but agreed that she was probably just doing teenagery shit. Like she actually probably ran off to her friend's house. It's a summer morning. You know, it's pretty standard. Like I did that. Like probably on this day, I was probably at Chloe's house. Mm -hmm. They decided to wait to get worried until 4 p.m. when she was scheduled to work at Wendy's. Cause they're like, okay, like she fucking loves her job at Wendy's. She was taking a lot of pride in her job and they knew like, she doesn't show up at Wendy's. Like we know she's like in trouble, but right now, like she's probably with her best friends cause she's always with them. They're the three best friends. They have been for two years. At 4 p.m., the manager at Wendy's called Skylar's parents and their hearts dropped. Skylar oh did God. not show up for her shift. <gasps> so her parents immediately called Sheila and Rachel. They finally answered their phones. They both said they had no idea where she was and they haven't heard from her. They then called the police and they immediately reported her as missing. Around this time, Sheila called Skylar's parents crying and said she needed to be honest with them. She told them that Skylar snuck out with them earlier that night and they wanted to drive um, with her and Rachel. She said they then dropped Skylar off down the street at around midnight. And that was the last time she saw Skylar. So they were like, oh, hey, we need to be 100% honest. She did hang out with us that night, but we swear like we dropped her off. Yeah, which obviously wasn't true because we watched Skylar leave her room at midnight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the reason why they said they dropped Skylar off down the street, not at her house, is Skylar said she didn't want to wake up her parents because she was sneaking out, which and is pretty standard. Valid. Yeah, I've done yeah. that before. Um, so Sheila then went over to Skylar's house. She scat, she sat, not scat. <laughs> she sat on Skylar's bed <laughs> with Skylar's mom and cried with her and hugged her. They cried, they comforted oh. each other, the whole thing. They then decided to print out a couple hundred missing poster signs and they went all around town together hanging up the signs. Meanwhile, Rachel left for church camp this day. What the fuck? So while this was happening, police pulled the surveillance camera and watched as Skylar willingly got into an unknown vehicle. Based off of that, police assumed that she ran away and would be back soon because as soon as they saw her knowingly with consent get into a vehicle, the police are like, okay, she's probably just ran away. mm, This is what teenagers do. Yeah. However, um, Skylar's parents like knew something was wrong in their gut. It was just tell like they're like, no, something's off. Like this isn't, this isn't Skylar. She's sixteen. She's a sophomore, so yeah, yeah like fifteen or sixteen. 
So Star City police officer Jessica Colbank did not believe that Skyler ran away. Um, the FBI also got involved almost immediately due to a possible link to an earlier missing persons case. So FBI agent Morgan Spurlock joined Colbank for the investigation. So the two interviewed Sheila on July 9th. So Sheila uh, repeated over and over again what she had told earlier about picking up Skylar at about 11. They drove around, smoked some weed, dropped her off at the end of the street about around midnight. Um, when they asked her why she dropped her off at the end of the street, again, it's because Skylar was like, I was sneaking out. I didn't want to wake up my parents. So just drop me off at the end of the street. Okay. Total normal teenage sneak out thing. So after the Sheila interview, Colbank and Spurlock called in Rachel. Um, during that interview, Rachel told them the exact same Which is story. Which a big red flag. Yeah, like word for word. Like they were so close. It was suspicious. It was as 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 if it was rehearsed. Yeah. However, there wasn't anything real to go off of yet. I mean, these were Skylar's two best friends in the whole world. They could just be nervous talking to the police, and they're also coping with this tragedy that their best friend disappeared True. and like they were the last ones that potentially saw her alive down um cole bank and spurlock spent the next few months following every single lead every single rumor and every single theory about skylar's disappearance so some of the rumors and theories um one popular theory was that skylar accidentally overdosed at a party and party goers panicked and hit her body Ooh. the next one is that skylar ran away and changed her identity Ooh, that's Ooh, a very like movie one. This isn't 1970s. Yeah, you can't do that shit anymore. Yeah. The next one, uh, so there was a series of bank robberies in the Blacksville area the night of Skyler's disappearance. That area is like pretty close. They like have to take a freeway to the area, but they're right there. Um, police learned that the younger brother of one of the robbery suspects had been romantically involved with Sheila what? and had also known Skylar. This dude was Dylan Conaway. So he was interviewed as a person of interest and remained as such all the way until the end. But he had nothing to do with happen to Skylar. Um, Corporal Ronnie Gaskins and senior trooper Chris Berry of the state police began helping Colbank and Spurlock after the robbery connection. Um, Gaskins made a vow to Skylar's parents that he would find out what happened. He said, like, in an interview, like, he never makes vows like that because sometimes you really can't, like, there's so many cold cases out there. But he, like, just knew that he was going to find out what happened. Like, he spent every moment of his life, of his day, pretty much, looking to find what happened to give the the answers to the parents. Damn. So all of the theories and rumors had one thing in common. That Sheila and Rachel knew something about it. Whether they knew that she overdosed or they knew the robber or they knew that Skylar ran away. They knew something. Like they had more information to give. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the weeks and following her disappearance were devastating. The for weeks? This, and months. Damn. Following her disappearance were it was just completely devastating to the small community. Um, Sheila and Rachel did a really good job putting on a show about how much she missed Skylar. Lots of Twitter posts, Snapchat posts, Instagram posts. Um, but they also had moments on social media where they seemed like there wasn't a care in the world. So it's like they would do their daily, like, oh, my God, we miss Skylar. Their little routine, like, like oh, we're so in, sad. Yeah. yeah. And they'd be like, woohoo, right after that. It was just so obviously a show. Um, candlelight vigils were held for Skylar, Sheila and Rachel always helped organize, always helped cry, just so overly involved Damn. with the heartbreak of Skylar. Um, at school, students and friends of Skylar's were completely traumatized. There were 
like round the clock therapists available at the school for people to talk to. It was a very small community. Um, Skylar's family spent every single day looking for her. Um, all while this was happening, police were trying to push Rachel and Sheila to give more information because they knew they were holding something back. And they told them, they're like, look, like, is she overdosed? You have to tell us. Or yeah. she ran away. You have to tell us because this is affecting an entire community. And like, and if it's not your fault, what happened? Fucking tell us. Like, just give us something. So Gaskins and Colbank questioned both Rachel and Sheila repeatedly and every single time they would give that robotic response. Everything was rehearsed. It was line for line the same. Yeah. Um, you know, they picked Skylar up. They drove around Morgantown. They smoked some weed. They dropped her off around midnight at the end of the street. Word for word, the same thing over and over again. Detectives started looking through their social media posts and discovered all the drama the trio endured the last year leading up Shit. to Skylar's disappearance. Um, they interviewed every single student and faculty member at University High School about Rachel and Sheila to see if anyone noticed a behavioral change or something that would point to them really knowing more. Yeah. One of Rachel's theater friends pointed out that after Skylar's disappearance, the girls became more secluded and Rachel slowly became bitchier like Sheila. So her behavior was changing. Um, rumors continued building so much so that both Rachel and Sheila were removed from school and then homeschooled. Whoa. Um, Skylar's parents defended both Sheila and Rachel. Even, they even told Are police to me? back off because they felt like they were wasting their time. Because how <coughs> could two 16-year-old girls be responsible for something happening to their daughter? Like, they just felt like they were wasting their time, which is valid. Like, if I was a parent... And they were focusing all their attention on my girl's best friends. True, true. And, like, you know the parents didn't know and the extent of the like, drama. one of them, like, sat and cried with you. Yeah. Like, like why morning. would you? And, like, I, by default, wouldn't assume that 16-year-old girls were capable of doing something so nope. violent. I would be like, no, like, she was probably kidnapped. Man, fuck these taken. girls. Fuck them. And, you know, and, like, a lot of the time, like, police do get laser-focused or hyper-focused on an individual trying to make the pieces fit into the puzzle. It doesn't always fit. Yeah, it's and, just and human. the parents were yeah. so desperate for answers. Still, though, the police started collecting like as much evidence as they could to prove that Rachel and Sheila knew more. Um, they found surveillance footage from a gas station that placed the girls in Blacksville, not Morgantown. So they started re realizing, okay, so now we're starting to get proof that their rehearsed story isn't true because they're in a different location. Um, they pulled cell phone records and they found out that Rachel's cell phone pinged a cell tower in Blacksville at 1230 a.m. <gasps> so now they know, okay, they didn't drop her off at midnight. Cell phone tower pinged. They were with her at 1230 in the morning in Blacksville, not Morgantown. So now the, new, the, the police knew the girls were lying so they started to press even harder. Weeks went by. Weeks and weeks went by. And the story stayed the exact same until one day the pressure got to Rachel and she started to crack. That's who I, that's what I was guessing in yeah. my head. Yeah. So Rachel changed the story and she told them they actually drove towards Blacksville. The next day, Sheila voluntarily came in and gave them the exact same story, the new, the exact same oh updated God, story that Rachel so, gave. Yeah. Um, Sheila remained completely unfazed with the added pressure, but Rachel began to crack more and more. Police knew this, so they just started nailing Rachel, just going after her hard. Because they're like, the harder we, we, the more pressure we put on this bitch, she's going to snap. Yeah. Like, she's going to fucking crack. On December 28th, six months after Skylar's disappearance, a 911 operator got a call from Rachel's mom. Whoa. Okay. I have an issue with a 16-year-old daughter of mine. I can't control her anymore. And then, on December 28th, Rachel apparently snapped. Shit. Her upset mother called the police. She's, 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 she
screaming. She's running through the neighborhood. Give me the phone. was taken to a mental health facility damn she's losing it you could just hear her screaming in the background and like the like she was running through the street her dad had to hold her down to the ground like pin his body against her and you could hear her in the audio going ah, ah, like in the background like damn she fucking lost she had a it. mental she could not rape. handle the guilt yeah so the police arrived and rachel was taken to chestnut ridge a psychiatric hospital in morgantown <coughs> sorry while there sheila started to grow a little bit nervous of the implication of her friend's breakdown unbeknownst <laughs> to rachel's parents rachel had broadcasted everything live to sheila through facetime um, sheila tried twice to go see her at the mental hospital but the staff had been instructed to only allow family members to visit or police um, Rachel was released from Chestnut um, Psychiatric Hospital about five days later on January 3rd. Her parents immediately drove her to an attorney's office in downtown Morgantown um, where an interview was arranged with detectives. Yeah. The investigators had wanted to have the interview as soon as Rachel got out to prevent Sheila from getting to her first. Only a few questions into the interview, Rachel looked around nervously and she then uttered the words, we stabbed her. Oh my God. Fuck. On the night of the murder, Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schof had invited Skylar to sneak out with them. Skylar didn't want to, but Sheila and Rachel mean-girled into it. Bullied her into it. Yeah. At approximately 12.30 in the morning, Skylar climbed out of her bedroom window, ran across her driveway, and got into the backseat of Sheila's car. They drove to a secluded area in the woods of Blacksville and got out to have a deep talk slash smoke weed. The girl sat down, and Sheila asked Skylar to go get a lighter from the car. When Skylar caught, when Skylar got up, the girls counted out loud to three, and then began to scat to stab Skylar. Skylar attempted to run, but was only able to run a few feet before Shof tackled her to the ground <sighs> and continued the assault. According to Rachel, Skylar did fight back and kept on yelling, "Why?" After fifty stab wounds, Skylar was silenced forever. Rachel and Sheila then dug a hole, buried the body, then they then they took off their bloody clothes, got into clean clothes, cleaned up the whole murder scene, and they got into the car and drove away from the murder scene like nothing happened. When asked why they did it, she could only come up with, we just didn't like her anymore. Jesus Christ. Police had a confession, but they couldn't make an arrest yet. They needed more evidence, so police decided to use Rachel. So Rachel brought the detectives to the murder site. There, detectives found the scattered remains of a human. They collected the remains and sent them to... Um, like a lab to see if it really was Skylar. While waiting for the results, they had Rachel wear a wire and to try to get a confession out of Sheila. Unfortunately, Rachel wasn't able to extract anything incriminating out of Sheila. Um, and Sheila posted like on Twitter a picture of the two that day and everything kind of returned to normal. The girls were hanging out, acting like everything's fine. Now, for the integrity of the case, Skylar's family was not made aware of Rachel's confession, but yeah. they were told about the remains yeah. because now the police needed to carefully build a case around these two girls. Uh, now, the reason why they weren't like immediately able to charge Rachel is one, like the girls have been lying this whole time. And two, like this girl just had a huge psychotic break. They True. had to have real evidence to back this up. They can't just arrest someone isn't the Just evidence of like, hey, her body's here, and then they find her body there? Yeah, but they ha still had to test the remains. True, because, true, true. Yeah, they, I mean, they obviously will arrest her. 
Um, during the following months, Rachel was allowed to roam free while the investigators gathered evidence. Also, they're minors. That might have had something to do with it. Um, sure. Sheila had some sort of warning from her attorney or, or maybe Rachel herself. Because after she and Rachel saw each other that one day where Rachel tried to get the confession from her, um, they have not seen each other really since and sheila started tweeting um first time i've ever been speechless followed by holy fuck things like that well this person is like narcissistic and just caught up in their own world um now investigators obtained a search warrant to seize every single nice knife in the house of she and sheila's car at this time the remains were positively identified as skylar niece um when police released that information sheila bothered to tweet Rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. And then quickly return to business as usual. Rachel also posted several tweets, including, in quotes, rest in peace, baby. I love and miss you more than anything. May you finally have justice. Oh, Jesus Christ. The forensic team were able to confirm that Skylar's blood was in the trunk of Sheila's car. And with that, police were able to finally arrest both Sheila and Rachel for the murder of Skylar niece. Sheila was charged with first-degree murder and pled guilty in January of 2014. She received a life sentence with the possibility of parole after 15 years. What the fuck? Rachel was found guilty of second-degree murder, receiving a 30-year sentence. She received a lighter sentence because of her cooperation with the police. The aftermath... Skylar's family um, turned the murder site into a memorial site and even planted a garden there. Every single holiday and birthday, family and friends gather there to remember Skylar. Skylar's mom, Mary, wants to... Wait, at the site that she was stabbed and murdered? Yeah, they turned it into a whole memorial site for her. Okay. You know, like when people get in car accidents, you see the crosses on the side of the road? Yeah. It's like the same thing. (coughs) I don't... (coughs) Okay, cool. So Skylar's mom, Mary, um, wants... Skylar to be remembered as the happy, loving little girl she was. Skylar's dad, Dave, said her smile, her smile could light up a room. Damn. That is the murder of Skylar niece. Don't trust your friends. High school sucks. Don't trust lesbians. Sheila is the total narcissist. Like I was, I watched all the courtroom videos and stuff. Yeah. And she was like sitting there smiling, flipping her hair. Like I'm fine. That's just me in the whole world. While like Rachel did look like she did have some remorse. Rachel even, like, apologized, like, did the whole, like, apology, and then uh, Skylar's dad came up and he told her to fuck herself, pretty much. It was nice. pretty badass. Yeah, Because nice. he was like, oh, he said, you can take your apology and sit on it. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, you're so sorry. He's like, say sorry to Skylar, the girl you brutally stabbed, you 50, stabbed 50 fucking times. times. You stupid bitch. Yeah. Anyways, how's your sex life? Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, sex life is good. Sex life happened this morning. It was Ayo. fun. Ayo. What what are we doing? What do we do? Oh, we had our kickball game and we like fucking owned the team. Yes, I did. That Corey's we were playing. Um, so much of us like were sliding to bases that actually on this on Thursday we had a game night. Emphasis emphasis on the gay. Fun. Um, and all of us had like scabs from that game. Oh, that's this fun. Past weekend. Yeah, and it, I had like a really cool like dom top mask moment. Where I was running from first, or so I kicked the ball. I got two RBIs, so like running batters in. I learned that from Tyler. Thanks, Tyler. Cool. <laughs> That's like a baseball term. Shout out to you, Tyler. Shout out to you, Tyler. So I got two RBIs in. So that was the per- person on third and second ran- got in home because I kicked it so well. Mm. And so then I ran to first, and then they were starting to throw it back. By the time I got to first, and I was like, "No, nah, I can make it to second. So I ran to second. And I was like running to second, and then the team captain on their team was the pitcher and they had thrown it back to him 
And he like looked at me because he was like, we were we were like really sort of doing really well. Like yeah. we were owning them. Yes. Um. And so he was like mad. So he had the ball and he was like, looked at me like, I'm going to fucking throw this at you, bitch. <laughs> and so he like got about 10 feet away. So it's pretty actually damn close. Probably like 15 feet away. Okay. And he threw the ball. And so I just like ducked and slid into second. Yes! And I was like, yeah, bitch. Yes. <laughs> so it was really cool, but I fucked up my knees. That's fine. Um, Hot. It was fun. Um, yeah, and that that that's pretty much. What else did we do? Okay, worked. We all worked. Week. I saw Rosemary's baby over the course of three separate days, which is not really good because that's like a really like classic movie, yeah. and I didn't watch it in one sitting. But I still loved it. I think the movie's great. It's really creepy, and it's just more maddening nowadays. Just all the misogyny. Oh yeah. Because like the. Have, do you know the premise? No, I think. I no, I did not see it. It was on like the list of movies for me to watch with Nancy because you know we yeah. used to do like all the movie nights and stuff. Yeah, we never ended up watching it, so oh. I'm like, uh. So basically, the, the uh, a new couple, Rosemary and Guy, is his his her husband. They move they move to a New York apartment. Guy is an actor, an aspiring actor. He doesn't really have these leads, and then all of a sudden, these like uh, old people, multiple old people in the apartment building that they moved into, start befriending them. Then guy gets all these new like uh, roles. Uh, he was like a runner up for a role, and that guy randomly went blind. Okay. And then like spooky. he got the role. Yeah, shit like that. All this spooky shit. Some girl kills herself like right in the first twenty minutes. Who you who was being taken care of? She used to be a drug addict. And she was being taken care of by the old couple, the main old couple that's talking to them. Anyways, long story short, Rosemary, like, gets drugged, literally gets drugged and is, like, this is all within the first 30 minutes. This is the premise, okay? okay? She gets drugged, think, uh, has, like, hallucinations of getting raped by a devil, like, by a demon. Whoa. And then he wakes up in the morning and the husband's like, no, it was me. (gasps) And, like, jokes that it was, like, necrophiliac. He literally jokes that to her Ew. and the whole time, like literally the entire movie is just every, almost literally every other character or any other per actor that is paid, their character is gaslighting Rosemary and being like, no, you're not, you're, you're just crazy and hysterical because of all the hormones, because you're pregnant. You don't have a demon baby inside of you. You know, there aren't witches around you. There isn't a coven, like a satanic cult around you. Um, they're just like fuck you you're a hysterical woman so it's like really hard to watch it's really hard to watch because it it's just like so so cringy for yeah like you know how there's a ton of misogyny in mad men but it's not like the focal point of it yeah and it's more just like you know look at how ridiculous this is yeah and then joan and peggy being like look at how ridiculous yeah it's like look at how we literally treated women in the 60s in like a workplace yeah but this one is just like was made in the 60s and it's just like just be like fuck women yeah it's like oh no fuck you rosemary you're just a hysterical woman that's annoying yeah and so it's just really it's sort of really hard to watch now did you watch it because you saw once upon a time in hollywood um yes yeah it like inspired me to like finally just watch it yeah 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 it's been on my list but not near the top yeah but yeah i watched once upon a time in hollywood this week it was so fucking yes. good i loved it it was so quentin tarantino ridiculous yeah, it was, it was good, fun. especially that the like last twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the last twenty minutes, I was like, I'm having fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the first yeah, the first like hour and a half, you're like, okay. Yeah, but the last twenty minutes, I was like, I'm having. Brad Pitt's. It's weird to see how old everyone's getting. But he's 
damn hot. Yeah, he's so hot. It's just so weird to me to see like <laughs> Brad old. Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio like actually getting old. Yeah, I'm just like, oh shit, weird, weird, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Because yeah. we were like kids when they were like the hot young. <gasps> were you actors. just tearing up? Were you just tearing up at all the Sharon Tate? Actually, my favorite scene of the whole movie is <laughs> the when movie? she was at the movie theater. Yep, that's my that's my favorite scene too. It's my favorite scene at the yeah, whole. Yeah, I, I, I like teared up because yeah. I was like, "Is this me? Was this my old dream?" Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like freaking out the whole time, and I like turned to Tyler and looked at Tyler. So I was like, "Yeah," I was like freaking out the whole time. I was like tearing up for all of her scenes, and then at the end, I told everybody that was with us, and like none of them knew that like the reality of it. Oh, she got brutally what happened murdered. In real life. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, y'all didn't know? And I was like, y'all need to go watch this movie again knowing that. How do they not know? The Manson murders some of the most yeah, famous they didn't murders know. in history. <laughs> they didn't know. That blows my mind. And isn't that so... Be- oh, and like, so I tear up when that happened, like when she goes and sees the movie. And then I tear up at the end. Um, I guess we won't talk about it because spoilers. We'll move on. I edited a part out, guys. Sorry. It was a great movie, though. Just go see it because yeah. it was... If you like Quentin Tarantino. If you don't like Quentin Tarantino, you might not like it. Because it's, it's very Quentin Tarantino. True. Oh, I, and even like, oh, I would say like the first hour and a half isn't that much Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Or, or, well, it is, but you're st- you're waiting for the more like iconic, quirky, like gory, bloody violent stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not Kill Bill or Pulp very Fiction. True. But true. Quentin Tarantino has a bunch of movies. So if you've seen all of his movies, you know, you will it recognize. It still definitely feels Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. But if you're a Gen Zer, like I, like in the movie theater with me were some Gen Zers. Some Gen and all they've seen is like Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And, and they were like, oh my God, it was just so random, but life's random. And I was like, <laughs> fuck you, Gen Zers. Get out of this movie theater. God damn it. They hated it. They're like, it was so bad. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah, Anyways. Okay, fine. Anything else exciting happened this week? I just worked like a, like a motherfucker this whole week. What happened? No, that's good. That's it. That's it. That's oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. <gasps> Lana. Lana came out with... Music video. A, two music videos that are put together in one. Yeah, it's like nine and a half minutes. Yeah, I didn't watch the second one because I want to like, you know, milk it. Um, it's very pretty. And I, sorry? It's very pretty. People are saying that that's her like best song in a long time. Her best song in a long time. The greatest song. Is that what's what it's called? Yeah, I think it's called that. You're the greatest. It's or very like that. pretty. It's very pretty. Yeah, people say that's like one of her best in a long time. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm just yeah, like, I it's wait. I well, I loved the um her newest album. Yeah, I'm super excited. So that's what I'm trying to do is because like we've already heard like four of her twelve songs or eleven, so I'm trying to not listen to them so that I can just listen to them all when this when the uh when the album comes the out. The album will be out pretty soon. Yeah, it's like in a week or two. Yeah, I'm very week, excited. Yeah. I love Lana. I love every summer it makes my day getting a new Lana thing. I know. But unfortunately, we are not going to go to a Lana concert this year nope. because it's very expensive. Yeah. And we could <laughs> drop the hundred plus dollars at Universal Studios instead. Yeah. And get spooked. Yeah. This whole week, I literally just worked. I worked and I worked and I worked some more. Yes. And I worked and then I worked a little bit more after that. That was... That literally sums and up. And you got a tattoo. And I got my motherfucking tattoo, and that was my whole week. A booty boost. It's been a good week. A long week. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for tomorrow, because tomorrow, Jordan and I don't have anything planned, so we can just, Ooh, y'all like, are having a y'all day? Yeah. We're just going to sit. Instead of and me. It's, and it's the first Saturday <laughs> that we ha- both have off ever in the history of our relationship. What the fuck? So it's, like, the first full day. Where just it's sit like, at home and watch TV. Yeah. We're just going to sit. We're going to have, like, we're going to make breakfast and go have it on the roof. Yes. And we're just probably, like, I want to go on, like, a bike ride or something. Just something just so Damn chill, it. nice me day and i want to like plan my fall wardrobe just like i don't want to go do anything tomorrow you don't have to (laughs) i don't (laughs) just fucking don't go have your me day when was the last time you had a cory day maybe i can just (laughs) say you're sick 
Maybe I can just say I'm sick. Well, just say like the podcast went until like six in the morning because it's going to. We have to edit this whole part out because Tyler's going to listen to it and then call me out. That's fine. But <laughs> for reals, though, we will be doing this podcast for at least five more hours. So you actually might be dead tomorrow. That's maybe true. Ooh. I vote Corey me day. I sort of is, do. I think you deserve it. I sort of do. I think you know what I might do is just go and do sand volleyball because I actually really want to do that. Yeah. And then after that, I'm going to be like, guys, I'm sick. I need to go home. Yeah. Yeah. I might just do that. And then go home and furiously masturbate because it's your goddamn me day. Yeah, it's got my goddamn me day. Just come on me day, masturbate me day. Yes, that's the plan. I'm really yeah. hoping I'm not on my period tomorrow so Jordan and I can have a crazy set. Uh, seven half inch crop top. Damn it. True. Oh my God, my knees are so sweaty. Such a weird part of my body to be sweating. Yeah, but yeah, I'll definitely go up tomorrow, at least for a bit, just to see him. That'll be like the main reason to go. Then you'd be like, sick. And then secondary play sand volleyball because fuck yeah. Yeah, volleyball rules. Yeah. What, what the fuck was that? That was my foot. Oh, okay. It slipped. But yeah, let's let's wrap this shit up. Because we have four more episodes to yeah, do. Yeah, bitch. So. Anyways. How's your sex? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, bye. Bye, guys. See you next week. Or on Patreon. I still, every time we do this, I still think of uh, that one review where the person's like, I hate how forced your your outro is. <laughs> it's so beautifully forced. I love it. No, I like, yeah, I like, because.